Thanks for listening to the Jazz Joe Hall Show podcast. Today on the pod, as the Surrey Police Service continues to deploy more officers, will their fate be decided today? And why are music festivals continuing to cancel? We look at rising production costs jeopardizing Vancouver's cultural scene. And your data, their property? Is government finally willing to take on big tech? That's all next on the Jazz Joe Hall Show podcast. Let's go to the story of the day. In the last half hour or so, BC Solicitor General's office says they're punting the Surrey policing decision down the road. We were expecting a decision today from um, Minister Mike Farnworth, but he says he's needing more information on the Surrey Police Service and Surrey RCMP. There have been dueling numbers when it comes uh, to whether or not they would keep the RCMP, the city of city, the Surrey, city of Surrey would keep the RCMP, or go with uh, the SPS. Now, you may recall in November and early December, uh, the city of Surrey said they would save about two hundred and thirty-five million dollars over five years if the transition to a municipal force was stopped. Uh, Surrey Mayor Brenda Locke also claimed that a one-time tax increase would uh, would be added to uh, this year's property tax of 55% over existing ta- tax rates. Uh, that's about $1,200 uh, for every uh, homeowner out there, and, and even more so for businesses. Of course, the Surrey Police Service said they disagreed with those numbers. They said they could also be fully operational with more than 700 office, uh, officers by mid 2024. Now, the cost to terminate the uh, the 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 um, the, uh, sunk, uh, the the terminate the transition and almost 400 employees. Well, that uh, is significant, and there's also 200 million dollars in sunk costs as well. Minister Mike Farnworth at this moment is uh, holding a press conference in Victoria in relation uh, to his announcement today. Uh, take a listen to his comments just a few minutes ago. The city of Surrey has indicated that they want to go back to the RCMP. So my responsibility of ministers as public safety is to ensure that there is a proper plan in place that would allow that. Uh, as I said, there's been work that's been done to date, a lot of work, but there are still uh, more information required. Uh, my ministry will be working with uh, both uh, uh, all the parties concerned to ensure that we're able to get that, that, that information so that the, uh, uh, there is a, a plan that's fully assessed and uh, that we're able to uh, to make a decision on. That is Public Safety Minister Mike Farmworth just from a couple of minutes ago. Uh, joining us now is Wally Opal, former Attorney General, British Columbia, and lawyer for Bowton Law Corporation. Uh, Wally, thank you for joining us. Always good to be with you guys. Uh, I'm just looking at the TV screen in our studio. Uh, the minister is speaking uh, at this moment in regards to this issue. Walk me through, because you've been in cabinet before here, what is Mr. Uh, Farnworth thinking right now in regards to what's been presented to him and why he, do you think he needs more information? Well, Jazz, I think uh, everybody realizes that this is a very, very, it, there are two factors here. It's the unusual nature of the application by Surrey, and it's a complex nature of it. It's unusual because in 2018, Surrey Council in Surrey voted unanimously to have a new police force and to dispense with the RCMP. Now, four years later, they want to go back to the RCMP. That is unusual, to say the least. The other complex nature is that the Solicitor General, uh, by law, has to listen to the cities as to the choice of policing that a particular city may want. And so Mike Farnworth is doing the right thing by asking Surrey, okay, 
if you want to go back to the RCMP, tell me what plan you have. Because the Solicitor General not only has to listen to Surrey, but he also has to take into consideration public safety measures for the whole of the province. In other words, this is not simply a Surrey issue. It's an issue involving the whole of the province. The reason I say that is because the province has already said that the province will be better served if they have a regional policing system. That is, the, the um, province would be divided into three regions, the interior, uh, the lower mainland, and Vancouver Island. And the reason for that is the information will be shared more readily and easily by a regional system. So they're going to have that. So what he's going to have to consider is how is a Surrey RCMP, the new Surrey RCMP uh, detachment, fit in with the overall policing plan? And also, he no doubt has to consider the cost figures that have been put to him because they are really all over the ballpark. And eyebrows have been raised by various quarters as to what it's going to cost to go forward with the municipal force and what's it going to cost to compensate all those people who have moved here at the invitation of Surrey and joined the new police force. So that's a complex issue, and I'm sure that he's doing the right thing by considering that issue and uh, the unusual nature, as I said a moment ago, of going back four years later to what you had before. Isn't this, though, a glaring reminder on how poorly the city of Surrey prior to the last civic election, have handled this when it comes to transparency. You've got a major issue here, which is uh, the question you're asking is, do we make that transition from the RCMP to a municipal police force? I would argue, judging by what I've seen, certainly these are my uh, words, not anybody else's, that they have not been transparent. They were never open with the numbers. They were never uh, open about how the process was would unfold. And that's a political decision prior to Brenda Locke. And now we're in this mess where in the last three months, We've had numbers thrown at us left, right, and center. Prior to that, you couldn't get anything. And this is the mess that has now been handed to Victoria. And this is what's transpired. Now, the minister here has to go, do I believe Surrey's numbers? Or do I believe the Surrey Police Service's numbers? When this could have been much more open and transparent, not only just with the provincial government, but most importantly with taxpayers in Surrey. Well, you're absolutely right in that it was it's Surrey that's going to co- end up paying all the costs here. But in fairness... A lot of those numbers were not known at the time because, not known at the time the, the transition was first announced, because there was no collective agreement. The greatest cost uh, component of any police force is a labor cost. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Surrey asked for their own police force in 2019, at that time there was no collective agreement. So it was, a, it was unrealistic to say, well, they should have known what all the costs were at that time. But I agree with you that Surrey Council at that time should have known about the uncertainty of the costs. And there's going to be a transition cost. There's yeah. no question about that. But what they had to consider and what they no doubt considered is even though it was going to cost more, the, that was a small price to pay to have local accountability because yeah. they, they went to the, have their own independent police force, uh, Jazz, because they were the largest city in Canada without their own police force. And by having their own police force, they had local management, a local police chief, and all of that. And that wasn't present with the RCMP. I think the RCMP over the years have done an excellent job operationally. But this is all about governance and where decisions are made. And that's something that that maybe could have been done better. Uh, But the fact is that 
a lot of that should have been known to city council at that time. Uh, you know, once again, you've been in that uh, uh, cabinet room before. The fact that um, the mayor of Surrey has said, look, if this goes ahead to the Surrey Police Service, it'll mean a one-time charge for this transition, which will come out to about $1,200 for the first year uh, for the average homeowner in Surrey. About $7,700 will be applied to businesses. Surely the provincial election is still a, a couple of years away. But Mike Farmer's trans, uh, decision, if it were to be, were to be uh, the Surrey Police Service, that means that decision uh, could have consequences when it comes to property taxes. And any elected official says, well, what? let's do the political calculus here. If I say yes to SBS, this means I'm the guy responsible for the property taxes indirectly by making this decision. How much of how much does that impact, do you think, Mike Farmer's decision? Well, well I'm sure he's going to think about that. But the fact is that... Uh, uh, a lot of people are questioning those numbers that the mayor has put forward. So it's Mike's job now to find out how accurate those numbers are, uh, whether they're uh, true to what is really out there or uh, whether they're not, And because it's been alleged that those those numbers are not accurate. But that's something that the uh, Solicitor General will have to look out. But the biggest factor here really is how would an RCMP detachment Going back to the RCMP, mm-hmm. how would it impact on policing in the province? And that's something that the Solicitor General needs to think about because he has an overall responsibility as to what is in the best interest of policing in Surrey when it comes to public safety. And that's more important. Keep in mind also that probably in an overall, in over 10 years, the costs with respect to the RCMP and the local police force will generally even up not considering for a moment the uh, transition costs. And the other thing they have to think about mm-hmm. is what are they going to pay out in severance? What are they going to pay out in damages yeah. to all those people uh, who came here from other parts of Canada at the invitation of Surrey? Don't forget, Surrey advertised for police officers. And so the city of Surrey has to take some ownership of that because they advertised, and these people moved here with their families, sat down in Surrey, and uh, so there's going to be a financial consequence for making that decision. Wally, thank you for your time today, my friend. Complex issue, and uh, it and the soap opera continues. Hopefully we'll have a decision soon. Thanks so much. Always good to be with you, Jess. All right. That's Wally Opel, former Attorney General. He's a lawyer for Boughton Law Corporation. Yesterday we talked about the fact that uh, members of Parliament, in fact, 57 members of Parliament, this was reported in the National Post, by the way, have been uh, charging taxpayers for the use of the Internet at home. So their monthly bill, because a lot of them, like you, uh, some of them had to work from home uh, during COVID, so they said they're going to expense their home Internet. Now, just think about that for a second. Yes, I do work at home sometimes, it's business, but I don't charge CKNW for it because, you know what, I also use it for other things at home, as does my family, and we use it for streaming services like Netflix, just like any other family would. But for some reason, our members of Parliament, who, by the way, make about $185,000 a year base salary, base salary, to get more for being in cabinet and doing committee work as well. Well, the National Post reported that 57 MPs have been charging anywhere from 70 to $200 uh, a month uh, to uh, to taxpayers to pay for their home internet costs. Well, today, Pierre Polyev, uh, 
scolded his own uh, members of Parliament. 27 of those 57 MPs were Conservatives, 20 were Liberal MPs, 8 members were from the Bloc Quebecois, and one was an Independent MP. Uh, between a three-month period last year and 2022, they billed taxpayers in total, all 57 MPs, $16,000. Just appalling that they are, <laughs> they're nickel and diamond uh, taxpayers. I spoke yesterday to our next guest, but I want to bring him on again. Just the fact that Mr. Polyev has now said that there are his members will no longer, his caucus members no longer be allowed to bill home internet to taxpayers. Joining me now is Carson Binda. He's with the uh, Canadian Taxpayers Federation. He's their BC director. Carson, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, it, we were just talking about this on yesterday's show. It looks like uh, uh, some members of Parliament have gotten the message. Yeah, absolutely. So we've seen uh, Pierre Polyev telling the Conservative Party caucus that they aren't to build home internet uh, to the taxpayers anymore. And frankly, this is exactly the type of leadership that we need to see across the board from, from politicians and political parties in Canada. It's a great step by Pierre Polyev. And I certainly hope that Justin Trudeau, Jagmeet Singh, and uh, and all the other caucuses will follow his lead. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad that though he's had to come out and say this though, isn't it? It should have been a no brainer, don't you think? Yeah, politicians shouldn't be uh, billing home internet to the taxpayers, and if they are, they need to be finding savings elsewhere. Uh, so it's disappointing that this even needed to be said, for sure. But it's a great step forward that uh, that the Conservative caucus has come out strongly against this. It shows that they're listening to taxpayers and taking our concerns seriously. And frankly, we hope, we really hope that the other political parties do the right thing as well. Well, I think they should be embarrassed into doing the right thing, but you're, you're absolutely right. Um, there are Liberals uh, also that are, were charging uh, for home internet use as well uh, during that uh, three-month period uh, that the National Post focused upon. And in total, I think $16,000 was charged to taxpayers um, by those members of Parliament. Let's touch on um, the issue of just accountability for a moment. I know members of Parliament have about a $400,000 budget to run their constituency office. That's for staff. That's for internet. That's to run your office for the year. And, and um, that would be probably, one would argue, more than enough dollars uh, to run an MP's office uh, in their various constituencies. But what I find interesting is this is uh, these expenses were sent in and there seems to be nobody saying, wait a minute here. You already have home internet. I'm sure you use home internet for personal use. I'm sure you use your home internet for streaming Netflix. You're going to keep it. You're going to have it. Why do you need to charge taxpayers for something you already have at home? Yeah, exactly. And and the real question is, why did this have to come out through a National Post investigative journalism? Uh, These kinds of uh, just outrageous expenditures should be publicly viewable. Uh, Taxpayers should be able to see exactly how their members of parliament are spending our money. Um, So it's really a slap in the face to taxpayers across the country that there wasn't those accountability mechanisms in place, that this had to be sniffed out by members of our press. Um, And it's shameful frankly, when MPs, members of Parliament across the country, like you said, already have home internet uh, to do things like watch Netflix and keep up with their emails. Yeah. So to then be billing taxpayers for the expense that they already have, it's just ridiculous, Jazz. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, I'm looking at this, and I don't have the liberal MPs' names before me, but there was interim leader Candace Bergen for the Conservatives was charging. We had BC Representative Mark Strahl also charging for home internet. And depending on where they live, some are more urban, some are more rural. And the those expenses were $70 a month they were charging in some urban areas and rural areas. It can be a lot more, um, and it was about $200 per month. Do you think that money should be returned, whatever they expense should be returned back to taxpayers? Well, we'll leave that up for, uh, for the parliamentary uh, budget committee to really, to really dive into. But at the end of the day, what this is about is ensuring accountability moving forward. Um, Pierre Polyev has taken the first step, and that's telling his members of parliament, telling his caucus that they are not build their home internet to taxpayers anymore. So what we really need to see is the other political parties stepping up and showing that exact same kind of leadership. I mean, Canadians are struggling right now. Uh, Surveys are suggesting that about one in five Canadians are skipping food to save money. I was in the grocery store yesterday and I saw a family putting back a gallon of milk because they just couldn't afford it with the price increases right now. So while MPs are building home internet, the rest of us are struggling. And it's great to see that at least one party is really taking that seriously right now. Yeah, it, uh, I don't know, Department of Common Sense should say $185,000 a year, you don't bill for home internet. But common sense, uh, well, it's not always prevalent in politics, that's for sure. Uh, Carson, thank you so much for your time, my friend. We'll chat very soon. Sorry, I, I don't mean to be that cynical, but I am that cynical. And every once in a while, these kind of stories come out, you just shake your head, you know. You really do. Thanks so much. No, you're absolutely right, Jazz. You're absolutely right. This one was a head shaker, and I think it had taxpayers scratching their heads saying, what the heck is going on with our representatives in Ottawa? Well, be well, my friend. Be well, Jazz. Take care. The other week, uh, we were talking about the Vancouver Folk Music Festival, and uh, it was cancelled for 2023. Uh, You know, uh, a festival, by the way, that has been part of the social fabric of this city for literally decades. And, of course, the issue uh, at, at its core is cost for production, for staging, fencing, tents. It's really tough to hold a festival just because of the uh, task of building up a lot of the uh, production that is required that was there pre-COVID. We also heard about Squamish's Constellation Festival, which is deciding in the next week or so whether to scrap uh, this year's edition. In Surrey, uh, there is a festival that is well-loved. It's called the 5X Fest Block Party. It's a multi-day festival which focuses on music, visual arts, fashion, and culture. Now, the other day, I was uh, looking looking through... I think it was my Instagram feed, and the general manager of the 5X Festival posted sort of the astronomical cost of policing their 2022 celebration. Harpo Mandar is the general manager of 5X Festival. She joins us now. Harpo, thank you for speaking to us today. Thanks for having me, Jazz. Uh, when did you get that bill? Was, is it something that you've already paid, or was it uh, something that is new? So we got the bill on December 9th, and our block party was in June of 2020. So we got it six months later, and that was the first time that we got to see the cost of how much policing was um, for our block party. Uh, now, have you, you, this wasn't your first block party. You've had uh, uh, policing police there before? Yes, we've done um, previous festivals in 2018 and 2019 as well. And then, of course, in 2020 and 2021, we had... Um, either no festival or smaller-scale festival. So, no, it wasn't the first time. Uh, what was your initial reaction when you saw the bill? I think my jaw just dropped. I, just, <laughs> I had no concept and no understanding that this is, much, this is how much it was going to cost. 
Um, and uh, yeah, it just seemed like a really absurd dollar amount for services that just don't equate to that sort of price. Now, the cost, correct me if I'm wrong, that you were charged $20,000 for policing for one day. Yes, and so it's about 13 hours worth of policing is what's on the invoice. So yes, $20,000 for one day. And so now does your the festival for that one day, so you don't sell alcohol, right? No, we don't sell alcohol to the public. I mean, of course, we've got like a VIP section, but it, it's, it's, you know, it's controlled, it's invite only, um, and it, there's no minors involved. So, yeah, we don't actually sell any pub, uh, alcohol to the public, and we've got like a robust security system at the front that ensures that no drugs and alcohol come in. Uh, now, in your post, you said you also pay $12,000 for private security. You have people there from all ages enjoying the event. So when I, when I look at your, your security bill, like what do the police do when you have them there? Well, I mean, the police doesn't actually take care of security services, right? They're not helping us at the gate. They're not helping us monitor uh, entrance into the backstage area. Uh, they're sort of only there in the case of uh, public safety concerns. So if an altercation breaks out, if there's, you know, um, any fight or any other threat to the public safety, that's that's really why they're there. Uh, but they don't actually take care of any safety, uh, sorry, any security concerns involved with the event. I mean, this isn't obviously a complaint about the, the policing itself, but the challenge is what you're saying is the cost of having uh, RCMP there. It could be a municipal force. It, it's just, it's the twenty dollar twenty thousand dollar bill for that day, and that's part of any cultural or music festival that you have these pretty high costs. And I think in the city of Vancouver, they're actually providing grants now for community groups just to cover the policing costs. Right. That's really our biggest concern. I mean, um, it's it's really to call on the city of Surrey to say that there's other municipalities like the city of Vancouver that really help grassroots organizations cover costs of things like policing and fire. Um, and the city of Surrey doesn't necessarily support organizations like 5X in um, helping to cover those costs. Uh, Vancouver's got a fest share program uh, where where they participate in these kinds of things. And so yeah, that's that's really our biggest concern here, and that's that's what we want to sort of bring to attention is that the city is not necessarily supporting in uh, to its best capacity. And, and I noticed in your post, uh, and like I said, this is not a complaint about law enforcement, but you said that the the police officers that were on duty that day at your festival uh, took selfies and videos with artists, ate free snacks mm-hmm. backstage, scrolled through their Instagram feed. They're doing their job as well. But it, what you're saying is that it was a pleasant experience at the end of the day, and you got a bill at the end of it for twenty thousand dollars which in your mind in the the security needs that are there um don't necessarily justify a twenty thousand dollar bill absolutely not and i mean if, if there i think there's there's a reason that the, the police officers were able to have such a pleasurable experience and they didn't actually have to be active and, and activate them their, their services and that's because our festival doesn't have a history of any of that kind of stuff you know we've never had any public safety concerns I mean, yes, our festival has been running since 2018, but our organization is VIBC. And we've been doing events um, in, in Vancouver and Surrey since 2004. And so the, in the entire history of the organization since 2004, we've never had any major major public health concerns. So they were able to stand around and stroll on Instagram and take selfies because, you know, our organization and our festival actually doesn't have a history of any public safety concerns. Yeah, well, it's it's a fascinating conversation. I'm going to try to bring it up with uh, Mayor uh, Brenda Locke uh, in the next segment. <laughs> There's a bunch of other, other policing challenges that we have to talk about as well. Uh, Harpoman there, thank you so much for your time. 
Thank you so much for having me, Jazz. I appreciate it. All right. That is Harpo Mandela, as I said, general manager of 5X Festival. A couple hours ago, BC Solicitor General Mike Farmer says he needs more information on the Surrey police transition before he makes a final decision. So essentially, he is punting the, the decision down the road. People are expecting the decision today from him, but he says he essentially needs uh, more information from uh, the Surrey uh, Police Service as well as the Surrey RCMP and the City of Surrey. How long this process, this new process, will take? Well, take a listen to, to Minister Farnworth. Well, I would uh, like to see it done as expeditiously as possibly as possible, but also it needs to be thorough. Uh, my ministry will be cooperating with all the parties involved to ensure that that takes place. What we need is to have a decision or to have the information uh, that ensures that we have safe, effective, adequate policing, not only in Surrey, but the region and the province. And as I said, I want that work to be done expeditiously, but thoroughly. And uh, I have every confidence in the staff in my ministry who have worked extremely hard on this and will be cooperating with the, uh, the parties both in terms of Surrey and the RCMP. Well, joining me now to talk about today's announcement is the Mayor of Surrey, Brenda Locke. Brenda, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Well, first of all, your reaction to the minister, uh, no decision today. They're punting it down the road. He says he needs more information. Uh, your thoughts? Well, uh, I mean, I was disappointed that there wasn't a decision today, but what I was uh, happy to hear was the minister said that policing is Surrey's decision to make, and uh, certainly council made that decision on December 16th, 2022, and so... Uh, that was the decision to maintain the, the RCMP in Surrey. Uh, do you have any sense of what more information he, the minister, and the ministry would need? Because according to your city staff report in November, you said, or your, the report stated that the city would save $235 million over five years if the transition to a municipal police force uh, is stopped. Uh, I do believe you've also said that um, there would also be a charge to Surrey taxpayers because of that transition, a one-time charge, about $1,200 per household, about $7,700 for businesses. Uh, How much more do you think he needs? Well, I I think um, really what they're looking for is is exactly the numbers. They're trying to assess the numbers that the RCMP are going to have to to uh, fill um, to fill those um, required spaces. Uh, I'm I don't know why they require more information, but apparently uh, his staff saw a hole that they needed to have filled. And, you know, um, we had believed that both the city's report and the RCMP's RCMP's report was fulsome. Uh, I never have seen the SPS uh, report. I have asked for it, but I didn't receive it. So um, I guess uh, we'll just have to uh, fill those gaps. Um, those knowledge gaps that uh, ministry wants, and we can do that quite quickly. So I'm I'm not uh, concerned about the time to do that. I know that the RCMP are ready with the numbers. Uh, you, you've certainly stated uh, one thing I've heard from you in the press conference and even now in our conversation, that this is Surrey's decision. Uh, what do you expect the minister's decision to be? If this is Surrey's decision and you want to keep the RCMP, why do you still need to go through this process with the minister? Well, uh, you know, um, Minister Farnworth has a responsibility for public safety in the province, and, and I did speak to him about that because I, I'm, 
I asked that very question, and and I do recognize he has a a big picture to look at, and we are looking at Surrey and Surrey alone. He just wants to make sure that um, policing will be uh, solid and equitable throughout the province, and so I think uh, um, we will... uh, I mean, I'm I'm concerned that we have to do it, I have to tell you, but uh, we will absolutely um, comply and get him and uh, his staff the numbers that he needs so that he knows uh, where Surrey RCMP is and, and Surrey and British Columbia are going to be. So just to confirm here, your issue here is this is ultimately the city council's decision. It is Surrey's decision. This is really about moving forward, about just reaffirming to the minister that Surrey RCMP will get back to uh, a place where policing and their numbers are secure and uh, that law enforcement, and there will be no shortage in Surrey whatsoever, or there will be any impact on the broader law enforcement community. This is the issue for you right now, that you need to reaffirm to the minister that whatever transition is back to RCMP, it does not impact law enforcement overall in this province or for this region. Exactly. Um, I, and the Police Act is very clear Um, It does say that it is the role of uh, municipalities of more than 5,000 persons to provide law enforcement in their cities, and that is the role of the municipality. That is what we're doing, and that is the decision that we made. But on the other hand, Minister has his uh, responsibility, and so um, what I am deriving from the information or the letter that we got from from, the his deputy, is that they want to make sure that those numbers are going to be uh, maintained throughout the rest of the province as well. So so this, in your mind, the, the comment that you've made here, this is legal advice given to you that ultimately it is the city of Surrey's decision whether they keep the RCMP or Surrey Police Service. The decision by the senior level of government is really about there be no impact in the overall law enforcement capabilities in this province uh, or the region based on the decision in Surrey. But the core issue of whether it's SPS or RCMP, in your mind, and legal advice to you, is it is the council's decision and nobody else's. That's, that, is, that is my understanding of this, that um, part two of the... Um, of the uh, Police Act is very clear about the municipality's role, but it's also very clear about the minister's role, and we have to make sure or help them make sure that um, policing in the province is uh, also maintained and that we can um, raise our numbers in Surrey because we will have to and there won't be any uh, issue with the rest of the province, and, and we will be able to do that. What is the cost to terminate this transition, including sunk costs, what will the cost be? You know, um, I've heard two hundred million in sunk costs so far. Uh, this is what taxpayers just eat at the end of the day. It's sunk costs, and you can't get it back because you've said well, to me before that hey, these folks will just trans over, transition over to Surrey RCMP. I mean, that's a lot to ask. Some of the folks don't want to be joining the Surrey RCMP, and they came here based on as as. SPS has said, to join a municipal police force. What do you say to the sunk costs? Well, I mean, the, the, the costs that are behind us are behind us. I mean, there's many, or many Surrey police officers. They're, they're uh, important and great officers that are policing the city at this time. 
And um, if they choose to come over to the RCMP, they can, or they can go to um, many, many other uh, police departments that are looking for for uh, staffing. At, right now, we've all seen um, the Vancouver situation looking for, for additional uh, police officers. But in terms of the sunk costs, those, those officers were working and, and continue to work and will continue to work for a while uh, in Surrey, even though they are Surrey Police Service. Uh, Surrey Police Service is still hiring people, going through the process of hiring people. Do you want them to stop because of what's what's transpired? Because right now they're moving forward. Yeah, absolutely, um, Jazz. They must stop right now. And uh, they are not, as far as I know, um, their last uh, intake was about a week and a half ago. Um, They are not taking in additional members right now. So um, that is something that has has stopped and it must stop it must stop while this is all um, being being uh, realigned if if the rcmp stay in surrey you have to admit there is going to there are going to be costs that the residents of surrey will have to eat because of this process people they've hired you know buyouts that are going to occur uh, it, it would be naive to think there are going to be no costs in regards to shutting down this process i just want to reiterate that because if it's 200 million yeah. is the sunk costs and not to mention buyouts potentially the the cost of shutting down is significant no you're absolutely right jazz there will be costs it won't be uh 200 um our number is quite a bit less than that that's what i've been uh given from our accounting, it'll be closer to 80 to 100 million, depending on, on uh, how people how people transfer and when they transfer. But be be assured that every day that this is stalled is costing us more and more and more, and that's the big challenge for us. Um, for us as a city, we can't even do our budget moving forward uh, until we we get this sorted and settled. And so we really do need to um, we really do need to put this behind us and move move forward. Mayor Locke, as always, thank you for your time. Look forward to having you on the show very soon again. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jazz. Bye now. If you're just joining us, about two and a half hours ago, BC Solicitor General Mike Farnworth. Uh, said that he will not uh, be making a decision on whether or not the SPS or the Surrey RCMP will be the police force for uh, Surrey. He says he needs more information, so essentially he's punting the decision down the road. Uh, Mr. Farnworth spoke to uh, media about two hours ago. Take a listen. The city of Surrey has indicated that they want to go back to the RCMP. So my responsibility of ministers as public safety is to ensure that there is a proper plan in place that would allow that. Uh, As I said, there's been work that's been done to date, a lot of work, but there are still uh, more information required. Uh, My ministry will be working with uh, both uh, uh, all the parties concerned to ensure that we're able to get that that information so that uh, uh, there is a, a plan that's fully assessed and uh, that we're able to uh, to make a decision on. That is Mike Farnworth, the Solicitor General, uh, talking about the uh, uh, policing situation in Surrey and what he will be doing moving forward. Joining me now is Melissa Granham. She's the Executive Director of the Surrey Police Board. Ms. Granham, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome, Jeff. Good evening. Uh, good evening. Uh, well, first of all, walk me through this announcement, uh, your reaction to it. Sure. So, 
clearly the province requires more information and, and we can understand and um, recognize that it's a very, very important decision that has far-reaching implications, not just for Surrey, but the entire province, as the minister mentioned. And, and he has um, a requirement to have verifiable information from all parties, and he's got professional staff who are supporting him in this decision in an unbiased manner, and they're experts and are only looking at this from the perspective of what's best for public safety, both in Surrey and the rest of the province. So if he needs more information and more time, um, I, I believe we need to give him that. Um, we just had the mayor of Surrey on our program at 4.30. Uh, Ms. Locke told me that she believes the decision ultimately comes down to the city of Surrey. That is the legal advice that she has received and the city has received, that while the minister can ultimately decide the impact of that decision on regional policing, city policing, and even the provincial law enforcement, the impact it could have, the core decision of whether it's SPS or Surrey or CMP lies with uh, the city. Do you buy that argument? So the minister has quite broad powers as it relates to policing in the province, and that's under the Constitution. So he has to consider the entire policing environment, uh, like I said, not just in Surrey, but in the Lower Mainland and in the province. So while cities do have the right um, to ask for a specific policing model, they do have to prove that that model will work for Surrey. Um, and the minister has to look at it, like I said, from the bigger picture, not just for Surrey, but for the province. So it, it does go down to his constitutional powers and needing to do what's right for public safety in general. Um, and the RCMP would need to show evidence that they can meet his requirements and his expectations uh, to meet those needs for the city. Uh, one of the things uh, that the mayor also said was that she wants the Surrey Police Service to stop hiring new officers. I think you announced new officers just last week. What would you, what would your response be in regards to the process and what Surrey Police Service is doing at this moment that she wants uh, them to stop the process, process of uh, recruiting and hiring officers at this moment? All right. So there's a couple pieces to that, Jazz. The first is that the province... Uh, when the new city council did go to the province and ask for uh, a reverse back to the RCMP, um, the province did give direction to the board and SPS to continue hiring. The second piece to that is, is you don't hire and deploy a police officer within a week or two. It does take months to do in terms of recruiting, hiring, and onboarding those police officers. So when we look at what's been deployed in 2023 so far and, and continue to deploy in 2023, those officers had already made commitments to Surrey and, and the board had made commitments as an employer to those people. So it was very difficult to just stop that project on a dime. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, we're following... Um, uh, provincial direction when when we're doing what we do. Mm -hmm. and, and just want to confirm here, uh, the sunk costs are, to my understanding, about $200 million. The mayor today said uh, some of those costs are sunk costs and they will not be recovered, but she believes they're closer to 80 to $100 million. Do you buy that number? I, I do. Um, it's also important to note there's a lot of different numbers that are being tossed around. Um, so when we talk about the $200 million, we're looking at front costs, but we're also looking at the severance liabilities associated to the police officers of Surrey Police Service. So if the decision goes to the RCMP, uh, the Surrey Police Board is the employer of the 330 police officers that have been hired uh, by the board. Uh, would essentially be given termination notice of some sort, depending on on what the wind down looks like. So we would have um, the two hundred million dollars includes both sunk costs, but also the liabilities around severance. 
And I, I think because there's so much confusion around the numbers um, that it would be important and the board would be open to the concept of a third party review of the numbers of what the cost looks like moving forward. Um, because, you know, while the city says there's $235 million in additional costs over the next five years, we, our calculations are quite different. Um, we're looking at closer to $18 million a year, which is aligned with the original report that went to the province back in 2019. Um I guess ultimately, so just to recap here, you are going to continue as a Surrey Police Service, continue to recruit and hire um, uh, officers, uh, and you will be participating in this process with the ministry and the minister, and then await his decision. Yes, and and as far as the recruiting piece goes, it's important to understand that obviously with the um, uncertainty, with waiting for a decision, you know, the the actual applications have slowed right down. So there's this organic slowdown of of hiring police officers. And and I I do agree very strongly with the mayor that there needs to be a decision because it's very expensive for the city. And it also will slow down uh, Surrey Police Service's ability to hire up and staff up to meet our current um, projections of, you know, hiring towards the end of the year to meet um, almost the entire um, authorized strength that we require. So it's um, it's important for us to have that decision. It's important for, obviously, the recruiting section to have that decision. And, um, you know, there's this organic slowdown. So I think naturally it, it's just working itself out until there's a decision. Uh, Ms. Granham, with hiring, uh, recruiting, infrastructure that has already been built with the Surrey Police Service, its executive team, um, technology, computers, all of that. Isn't the SPS at the point of no return? Uh, To wind this down would be just a massive job and not to mention an expensive job for Surrey taxpayers at the end of the day. You're correct. It would be a massive job and a very expensive job. Um, we have built a significant amount of infrastructure. I mentioned the 330 police officers. We also have 65 civilian staff. Uh, we have 205 police officers who are actually working the front line in Surrey right now. Um, and those those positions are, are obviously um, important for Surrey in terms of service delivery for the entire city. Um, so walking it back, you know, having the second biggest police union in the province uh, would be extremely difficult, and it would take a lot of time and money to do that. Ms. Granham, thank you so much for your time. Look forward to chatting with you uh, in the days and weeks ahead. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Jazz Joe Hall Show podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can always listen to the Jazz Joe Hall Show live Monday to Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on 980 CKNW and connect with me on Twitter at Jazz Joe Hall BC. Talk to you next time.